Happy New Year, Paul. And yes, <laughs> I made it through a wonderful Christmas with sugar-free chocolate. I don't eat chocolate anymore unless it's sugar-free, and I didn't know there was such a thing until you showed it to me. You're a great Santa Claus. Thank you. Sue Rainey. Hello, hello, and hello. Welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour, home of quality interviews for 18 years now. On today's episode, Paul has a morning interview with Sue Rainey. Sue's been said to have one of the most beautiful voices in music, a jazz singer and recording artist. Sue Rainey was signed by Capitol Records in 1957 at the tender age of 17. Paul was delighted to have this interview with her and is delighted to have you listening to it right now. Speaking of you, the listener, did you know that the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by you, the listener? It is true. Just go to thepaulleslie.com slash support and pull the lever. All right. Thank you very much for your contributions. And thanks for listening. So, with no further delay or adieu, as they say, I say we start the interview. Take it away, Paul. It's a pleasure to welcome our special guest, singer Sue Rainey. She's here to talk about her album, Listen Here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for playing my, my new CD. Who is Sue Rainey? How do you define yourself? A definition of myself? Let's see. <laughs> well, that's a, a, a first tough question. I guess you would call me a jazz singer, although I love standards, and the Great American Songbook is my favorite. All the, all the songs that I love to sing are, are all the things that... The people of yesterday, you know, and the, the people that loved good music, and there are a lot of them still out there. I try to be a good person, and I also like a peaceful life, and I don't like to travel too much because I like to stay home. It's not that I'm lazy, but I did a lot of traveling in my life. I only go out there when it's creatively fun for me or with the people I work with. I just do every once in a while. I don't know. Do you want me to describe myself? I, I'm yeah, a sure. lot. I'm a lot older than I was when I started. That's for sure. What was life like growing up? Well, I was born in a little town called McPherson, Kansas. We didn't stay there long. We moved to Wichita, didn't stay there that long either, and then we settled in Albuquerque, New Mexico when I was about eight years old. My mom and dad both discovered I could sing when I was about four or five, I did have roots, I guess it was in my genes, because I had a great, great aunt that sang in opera. And my mom sang also with her, her brother's band. So I think when she had kids, she was looking for somebody that might have the, the singing um, desire. So I started working when I was about four or five years old, and I did you know all those typical things with the, the afternoon luncheons at Lions Clubs and Kiwanis Clubs. And learned how to dance, and was just a a young performer. And at the time, about when I was 16, 17, we always moved, I mean, we always vacationed in California. And my mom was always looking for people to listen to me sing with her 
hard work and tenacity. We hooked up with Frankie Lane, who liked my singing, and he was sort of a mentor for me, and that was when I was about 15. And they were looking for a, a, a teenager to sing on the Jack Carson radio show, which was one of the last radio shows done at CBS over here. I got the job, and it was a wonderful opportunity. And the, the King sisters were on it. I mean, I'm probably telling you people's names, Paul, that you told probably you sound so young, but it was about 1955-56. And then at 17, I got signed to Capitol Records. I did my first album with Nelson Riddle and a lot of nice things. And I look back on it now and I think, wow, here I was at Capitol with some of the most outstanding artists that there were of the day. Frank Sinatra, Peggy Lee, Dean Martin, just a roster of people at Capitol. And I was a little scared girl in a lot of ways. I listened to some of those early albums, and and I think I was overwhelmed, but I did my job, and I I hope I did it well. Well, let me ask you this. What was the first album that you bought? The first album that I bought? Well, my dad used to to, to love Billy May, and I think that I I grew up in the 50s, and I I loved Doris Day, which I did have do have a CD that I paid tribute to her that I did a couple years ago. And you know, I can't remember the first record. My dad loved recordings, and he used to go out and buy them, and I, I, I loved listening to his taste in music. He loved, I loved the Ames Brothers, and he had good taste in music. He wasn't, he wasn't a singer, or he wasn't a musical person, but he just loved to, to listen to certain people, and I think that he was a great influence on me growing up listening to things. And I can't remember the first record I bought. Does, do many people answer that question right away? I've found that some people do, some people don't. But a lot of times the first album they buy, it ends up being kind of indicative of the future. Well, when I grew was growing up, like I say, I loved Doris Day, Rosemary Clooney, Patty Page, Perry Como, all the old, old goodies, you know. I didn't really get into rock, although in the 60s I was, uh, you know, I was, let's see, into my early 20s. And I didn't really go that direction. I loved Nat Cole. I used to come home from school and sit down, and and I'd learned piano, and so I'd sit down and, and play all the pop music of that day. I had sheet music and I'd come home and voice the chords and just just do all the things that all of the music I loved. And of course, that was the pop music of the day. You know, Tony Bennett and Nat Cole. And then, of course, it's it's traditional pop now. I guess sometimes they call it. But then the the rock uh, era kind of came in with Elvis and Bill Haley. And I didn't really get to with that, although that was kind of the era that I probably should have. But I I hear some of those things now, and I think compared to some of the music of today, if you want to call some of it music, it's mostly record productions. It was it was pretty good music, and I, I love listening to stations that play those old things, like the Guy Mitchell songs, the hits of the day, and they were cute little songs. So, But that was basically, I just was always involved in the Great American Songbook, as they call it now, and that was what I grew up with, and that's what I really loved. You have this album, Listen Here. Tell us about your collaborator, the pianist Alan Broadbent. Right. Well, I, I just adore Alan's musicality. He's he's a wonderful accompanist. He's a wonderful pianist. He arranged and uh, conducted a lot of CDs. Did a thing, a uh, West Coast jazz thing called In Good Company together. We did a tribute to Henry Mancini called Dreamsville together. 
And when I perform, usually, especially at home here, he's now moved to Nyack, New York, but we always work together. I've admired him. Like I say, his, his musicianship is superb, and he writes beautiful charts and beautiful string arrangements. And the Doris Day tribute a couple years ago was with full orchestra. And this particular one, I always wanted to do a duo album with him, you know, because he had done something with Irene Crawl years ago, just a, a piano and voice. So in the back of our minds, we always thought that's what we would like to do sometime. And so we finally did it. And it's a little different doing it with just one instrument, just the piano. But we rehearsed a lot what we wanted to do. And I went into the studio and put it out and put it down rather. And, and I'm proud of, I'm proud of the results. Would it be possible to pick a favorite song from your album? Listen here. Favorite song? Let's see. I do love the title tune that was written by Dave Frischberg. He was good to me. I, I was always influenced by Chet Baker and, and his horn playing and his singing. And that's one of my favorites, if you think that that would be a good one to do, because I, 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 loved, I loved the story. When did you first become exposed to that song? Listen here. Listen here. Well, I'm a friend of Dave Frischberg's. We did a lot of jingles together in the 70s. We, I, was, I was part owner of a jingle company, and I got to know him then. He did a lot of things for Sesame Street and, and the electric company. There's a lot of things he did, and we worked together then. He also wrote a song called Dodger Blue, which I was a big Dodger fan and, and did a lot of things at the stadium here in, in L.A., He's he's just a prolific person, and I used to listen to him sing it, and I love the story. It's an introspective kind of thing that you're kind of speaking to yourself. As we all know, we have that still, small voice inside of us that kind of spurs us on and tells us when we're not doing exactly the right thing, and and I love the title tune just for the, the story of it. It's It's a wonderful story. Our special guest is Sue Rainey. Tell us about the song you recorded. There used to be a ballpark. Yeah, that's a that's a, a great song written by Joe Raposa, and I heard it. Frank Sinatra had recorded it years ago, and I just I loved it. And I'm I've always been a baseball fan. Like I say, I I I did a lot of things with the Dodgers. I did a lot of old timers day games, and and then I married a, a wonderful baseball player, flash trumpet player who's been on a lot of my CDs. He was with the Red Sox first and then the Chicago Cubs. His name's Carmen Fanzone. And I love baseball. And that's, again, a song that I, that's part of my life. I, I love the sport. And, and, it's, and it's, again, a lovely, a lovely lyric. You can either apply it to an actual baseball, a baseball park or you can apply it to things that have changed in life, in, in, in America and wherever you, you are, things that have changed over the years and the decades. And so I, I really look for storylines. I love to sing lyrics. Lyrics are more important to me more than the music even. And um, I like to tell that story, and I love that little story about there used to be a ballpark here. When someone listens to your recordings, what do you want them to get out of the experience? Well, I think more than anything, I I want that that little story that I'm trying to tell to take people there, to let them go to where the lyrics take them, because each individual has their own situation, their own memories, their own 
times of their lives. And I, I hope that's what I, I try to do that. And I hope that's what I, I do when I sing. I know when I'm sitting at an audience and somebody is singing a story to me, I identify with it. Just, it takes me to a, a place in my life. So that's, I think, the most important thing. And you probably hear most, most singers tell that, say that thing that, that they like to do is, is uh, transport people and uh, a performance is a, is a very important thing to incorporate that. I always tell my students, because I, I'm also a vocal coach, and I always tell them there's a performer in you and a person. And when you are performing a song, you have to get inside of that song and really, really tell the story. They can always see the performer after, the, the person that says, Hi, everybody, how are you? I hope you're feeling good tonight. That The people in you, the person in you. But I, I just hope that, that the story it touches people's hearts. That's all I care. What is the best thing about being Sue Rainey? Oh, <laughs> you're really a good, good interviewer. Oh, the best thing? I don't. I. I. I think I want to be liked for who I am, not what I do. I. I think. I think. Think it's wonderful when you're on the stage to feel gratified about your your ability to to speak to the audience. But basically, I just. I like to identify with people on a on a on a level that just to try to be kind, to try to you know reach out to people. That's part of the teaching process. It's a part of being productive in a one-on-one situation. And I love my life. I, it's a very peaceful life. It's a, a good life. I think that more than anything, rather than to be known as a singer or a performer, I just would. I just want to be known for myself and what I try to, to reach out to people to do. Our special guest has been Sue Rainey. You have this album, Listen Here. So my last question is very open-ended. For anyone listening, what would you say to them? Oh, how sweet. Well, I'm sure you have a lot of fans that tune you in, and and, and I hope that when they hear it for the first time or or they hear my story for the first time or whatever, that that they can listen to what I do and and like it and feel moved by it, sort of get to, to know me through my, my voice and my my speaking with you today and just the, the the thing that I want to try to get to them and hopefully they enjoy it and hopefully they'll say, gee, I've never heard of her or I have heard of her and I haven't heard her for a long time. But if they they the first time they have heard me, I just hope that they, they enjoy it and that they they listen again. Thank you so much for spending time with us. It's a great pleasure. Thank you, Paul. You you just you know, you ask a lot of questions as you know it's it's early here. I'm in LA, and I not I didn't just wake up, but it's still morning. And sometimes morning morning thoughts are not as good as afternoon thoughts sometimes. But I appreciate the question you asked, and I appreciate your playing the CD. And I, I, I all your fans. I hope they enjoy listening to it. And thanks for your support and your your devotion to what I do. I appreciate it so much. It's my pleasure. Have a great one. You too, Paul. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's 
thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.